sonicstate.com. Hi, my name is Mick Glossop. I'm a producer engineer based in the UK. I've been working on uh, contemporary music for 30 years or so in um, 20 years around the world. Shot by Both Sides was one of the first productions that I was involved in. I mean, I'd been an engineer for five or six, seven years, something like that, and was starting to cross over. And um, I was working at, uh, I was the chief engineer at the townhouse in uh, Goldhawk Road in West London, uh, which was owned by Virgin Records. A lot of the acts signed to Virgin were recording at the townhouse, and so it provided an opportunity to kind of cut your teeth as a producer on um, projects like that. The band really, they had the arrangement and everything already worked out. The production was basically making it sound good, getting good performances. And I think I, I might have suggested some double tracking on a few instruments, but there wasn't, in, t uh, in terms of the, the musical ideas, that was all the band. You know, it, was, it was a matter of presenting what they did in, a, in an interesting way. I mean, even things like the delay on the voice in the, the effect on the word shot and of course that was their idea, it wasn't my idea, you know, it was, they'd already worked that out as, a, as an impact thing. If you're a producer and you're making a record then um, you do want it to have some impact and it needs to stand up and you need to create, you need to reproduce the energy that a band like that would have performed would have had when performing live records are going to be played over and over again and so the criteria are different and I, I think a lot of producers at that time were faced with the challenge of how to represent bands who were playing in the kind of punk era in a way that would stand up to repeated listings and didn't sound amateurish still had the power and the energy that they were putting across live. Producing a number one. Well, I'd worked with The Wonder Stuff on uh, the album, never loved Elvis. We got on really well and there was, it was a fairly successful album. I think the band had met Vic Reeves. And he'd done some sporadic recording, recording different songs with different producers and different uh, different musicians. Dizzy was it was just one of a number of songs he was um, he wanted to record, and the spec for that particular song was to do it with the Wonder Stuff as opposed to do it as a dance track or with a producer who was going to play everything. Or so uh, so that was it. I got a call saying, "Do you want to work on this project? We're doing a single with Vic Reeves. I don't know which song it's going to be yet because there were three in the offing. I can't remember the third one, but the other one was um, um, Ring of Fire, the Johnny Cash song. That was one of the ones we were talking about. It ended up being Dizzy, which I think is the, the, the best choice. Going solo. So we did, a, we did an afternoon's rehearsal with the band, worked out an arrangement. Pretty much took the parts from the original Tommy Rowe version and converted them into kind of rock guitar parts and there's uh, there is a string section so Martin Bell I think played a four part fiddle arrangement which is taken from, from the original But 
but it was pretty straightforward. Uh, recorded a rhythm track. We double tracked the drums, so there was a second drum track on there, which uh, adds to the energy a little bit. Um, bass, two or three guitar parts I seem to remember, keyboards, um, violins, that's about it I think, vocals, backing vocals, a bit of percussion, do we have a tambourine or something, I can't remember, I'd have to play it to find out. Analog versus digital. As far as digital recording is concerned, I, I suppose I, I tend to use phrases like I, I, I approach it with, with, with analog ears in a sense. You add different amounts and different, uh, different types of brightness to the sound in order to compensate for the fact that the transients are modified or lost to a certain extent by the analog tape process. And I mean, I found when I first started recording in digital, uh, that I was I realised later on that I was still by habit almost still using those styles of EQing and compressing sounds. So I had to kind of relearn and, and um, choose different microphones, which had perhaps less middle presence characteristics. Avoid those mics for certain types of instruments because the digital process would reveal those the characteristics of the sound in a way that analog was hiding. So you didn't have to make those compensations. Plug me in. Plugins are getting better and better all the time, I think. I mean, referring back to the analog conversation, one of the things, there are a number of analog tape simulation plugins, but my favorite one is by a company called Crane Song. They do a thing called Phoenix, which is a very simple plugin. You get four or five different flavors of it, but you insert the plugin and there's one knob that's basically a more knob. You turn it up and you get more of the effect, that's about it. No, which, is, which is great. I really like plugins that have few controls. And that really does give you um, a lot of what you get from analog tape. I think it really helps to to bring some of that warmth into the into a digital recording. And that's, that's one of my favorite ones. I use that on lots and lots of different instruments, vocals, guitar, drums, to, in different ways. The new Waves SSL emulation is really, really good, I think. That's, uh, it's just come out, it's been out about two or three months. You get uh, the SSL bus compressor, a G-series channel EQ, and an E-series e channel strip, which is EQ and dynamic section. Altiverb, convolution reverb is fantastic. You can create you can make your own recordings of interesting spaces. You can just find yourself in a room which has an interesting sound, set up a mic and a speaker, and you can emulate the sound of that room, you can capture the sound of that room using a sweep tone, and turn it into a reverb plug-in preset, which you can then apply to whatever instrument you want to apply it to in, in the mix. It's really, really good. Its use is not confined to reverberation characteristics. You can use it. You can capture the characteristic of something like a uh, a walkie-talkie microphone compression transmission system with uh, all of the compression and uh, tonal limitations that that has or the sound of a little tiny speaker in an intercom you can you can reproduce all of those sounds it's a very versatile plugin so I use that quite a lot technology and I mean it goes back to I mean uh, an acoustic guitar is, a, is an example of technology in my mind I mean it's uh, so is a pair of drumsticks played on a tabletop. Isn't it? <laughs>
the more tools we have, including plugins and digital recording, editing techniques, etc., etc., the more, the greater the palette of tools we can use. But the, the, as long as we keep in mind that they are tools that enable us to do something creatively with sound and music, and that's what's important, is the, uh, what we use it for. And the more, the, the more tools you have, the more ability you have to, to create something new and original and exciting. And that's, that's the thing. So I've certainly never held back by technology, but that way it's a definite enabling tool. Now and then. Yes, it's funny. Future Heads remind me, well, the Future Heads in particular remind me of the Skids a lot. And that's a band I've worked with on three or four albums. There's a fine line between ripping off, being influenced by, or being inspired by. You know, when a band announces a song, it says, this song was inspired by X-Ray Specs. And then they go over to play a song, which just sounds identical to it. You know, that whole concept of homage versus um, plagiarism is uh, one that gets played from time to time. SonicState.com Doing solo.